In this episode of the Cultivating Connection podcast, you'll hear from educator Jana Gerard. Jana works as the coordinator of the Evolution Center at Southeast Missouri State University. In this role, she supports pre-service teachers and faculty with developing digital competencies and effective technology integration. The Southeast Missouri State University Educator Preparation Program just won the American Association of Colleges of Teacher Education 2022 Best Practices in Technology Integration Award. Tune into this conversation to hear more about the Edvolution Center, what happens there, and the ways that Jana is promoting technology integration, not only at our own campus, but also in the wider education community. Welcome to KG Education's Cultivating Connection podcast, enlightening conversations and guided meditations to inspire and connect educators. I'm Leah Oback. And I'm Devin Caldwell. We're the Kenton Girls, and together we make up KG Education. Through interviews and self-care practices, we'll share our passion for professional learning, wellness, and community to cultivate connections for educators everywhere. We believe that teachers are stronger and more impactful educators when they're connected and cared for, and it's our mission to support you with teaching, technology integration, and teacher wellness. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at kgeducation.ca. Connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. And now for the most recent episode of our podcast. Hey, have you heard about our Teacher Success Squad community? This community is for early career educators in their first five years of teaching. We meet via Zoom on the second Tuesday of each month to ask questions, share ideas, and get support. We've created a huge dashboard of resources based on questions and topic ideas from teachers in those first five years. If you're interested in learning more about what we do, visit kgeducation.ca slash success squad and feel free to reach out to us with a message or a direct message on social media and we'll set you up with a free community call so you can check out what we're doing. We'd love to have you there. Welcome to this episode of the Cultivating Connection podcast. Today we are excited to have guest Jana Gerard coming to us from the Southeast Missouri State University. We are excited to hear her educator's story and help connect you with her. I recently met Jana on an ISTE loop call where ed tech coaches can come together to collaborate and share. And I was just so interested in her story and learning more for her that yeah, we felt you'd really like to learn from her too. So Jana, welcome. Please tell us a bit about yourself and your teaching role. Let us know kind of what the highlights are of your journey that's brought you to where you are today. Thank you, Leah. Uh, so like Leah said, my name is Jana. I am the coordinator of what's called the Edvolution Center at Southeast Missouri State University. It's part of our College of Education, Health and Human Studies. And specifically, I work a lot with our educator preparation program. I used to be a middle school English teacher and technology teacher. And while I was doing that, uh, part of my role was to be what was called an instructional technology specialist in ITS. So it was my role to help uh, my colleagues in my building integrate technology into their classroom. So I was privileged to be able to work with all content areas in terms of integrating technology. So I went back to school and I got my master's degree in educational technology, and that led me to working at the university where I got my master's in ed tech. So I was working at Lindenwood University running what was called the idea studio, which was kind of a baby version 
of what I do now. And then the university decided they were going through a little bit of a uh, financial difficulty. So they decided to close some campus services. And unfortunately, the Idea Studio was one of the services they closed. But that's what led me here to Southeast Missouri. And uh, so now I get to run the Evolution Center, which is uh, an amazing privilege. We're so excited to learn more about your role at the Evolution Center. But first, we want to learn a little bit more about you. And we like to ask all of our guests these questions because it gives us some inspiration for what we might watch or read next. So the first thing I want to ask you is what book are you currently reading for enjoyment or for professional learning or both? So I am a bit of a reading magpie. I actually love to read. Uh, it is my hobby. When people ask me what my hobby is, that is literally what I say is reading. Um, I'm a military brat. My dad was in the Air Force and we literally lived all over the world growing up. And so reading was sort of my safe place. No matter where we moved, no matter where we lived, I knew I could always lose myself in a book. So I'm actually reading, um, right now I'm reading Grit by Angela Duckworth. And then I'm going to be participating in a book study soon on the book, The Wild Card by Hope and Wade King. So those are kind of my two professional books right now. Um, for enjoyment, I'm a huge J.D. Robb fan and she just released a new book. Um, I am finishing my dissertation. I just got the last of my edits this morning. So as soon as I finish those edits, I'm gonna be diving into my, my newest J.D. Robb. Congratulations on finishing your dissertation. That must be a wonderful feeling. I am ready to be done. <laughs> oh, I bet you are. Leah and I are huge readers as well, and we're as children too. Um, so we always like to see what people are reading and add that to our, our Goodreads list. Okay, next question. Who has influenced or inspired you as an educator? My sister, my older sister, she's nine years older than I am. She actually originally went to college to be a speech language pathologist. Um, and then she took some time off to raise her family and then went back to being an educator. She's an English teacher. And now she is actually uh, what's called an emotional support counselor. So she is doing such amazing work. And she is an educator who has always inspired me and set a very high standard for me as, as an educator. Um, I would say in my higher ed journey, <clears throat> there's an amazing educator that I worked with at Lindenwood. Her name is Dr. Amy Peach. And Amy just really opened my eyes about what higher education could be and um, really encouraged me to take risks and to kind of open myself up to a whole new way of thinking about higher education. So I would say those are the two people that have influenced me the most. Okay, thank you for sharing. Um, finally, what tech tools are your daily essentials? So even though we're a Microsoft university, I very much live in the Google Workspace for Education universe. I love my Google Drive. I have everything possible that I can stored in my Google Drive. Um, so those are very much, but I'm also an Apple person. So my, my MacBook is my, my friend and my iPad. Um, so those are really essential tech tools for me. Hard question as a tech teacher to answer since you use so many different things. 
Yeah. So you have a really unique role. And in our conversation uh, previously, that was part of uh, what really interested me about um, what you do. So tell us all about the Edvolution Center and your role there. Like, what are some of the things you do? What is the Edvolution Center? What does, uh, what does your work look like? And I know you have lots of variety. So yes, you're right. Um, it's really kind of funny. Someone asked me the other day, we were trying to set up a meeting and they were like, oh, what does your typical day look like? And I had to laugh because I don't have a typical day, but that's okay. That's how I like it. So the Edvolution Center is in a nutshell, an innovation and technology space. I say we're all about helping people solve problems. So um, as I mentioned, I work a lot with our educator preparation program but as a member of the College of Education, Health and Human Studies, I also work with communication disorders students, child family studies students, um, the two different ed prep programs. And then I work with uh, nursing students, um, kinesiology students, nutrition students, and psychology and counseling students. So I get to work with a wide variety of students, which is really interesting. The center itself, I, I say it's all about solving problems here. We have many, many tools that students can use to help solve problems. We have a lot of collaboration spaces. We have a maker space. We have a VR room. We have a green screen recording room. We have a coding lab. We have a lightboard studio. So we have um, a wide variety of things to assist students with solving problems. We also um, serve as sort of a community regional hub for uh, P12 educators. So um, any of the equipment that can be checked out from the coding lab, from the makerspace, is all of that equipment is also available to our community educators to check out and take out into their classrooms. And our latest project that we are working on right now is we're still debating what to call these. Um, I have, I'm working with the associate professor of STEM and she is very cautious using the STEM term. So they originally, we were gonna call them STEM kits, but she's kind of moved away from that. So we're still debating, we're gonna call them evolution kits, learning kits, we're still working on that. But basically they're STEM kits and our students, our university students are creating these kits and they're tied to literacy and lesson plans, then we're putting the supplies in there. And the goal is that not only can our students and faculty use these kits, they are also going to be a resource for the community. So that's that's what we're working on right now. Wow, um, your students and faculty are so lucky to have such an amazing resource on campus. And what a fun job for you. I, it is, it is a, it's an adventure every day and I love it. So um, another thing we do is we do 3D printing here as well as laser cutting and engraving and large format poster printing. And so um, it's really interesting. The 3D printing is not something I knew a whole lot about when I started this job. And so that has been a huge learning experience for me. And it is so amazing to see the creativity that students are using when they ask for these prints to use in their P12 lessons. So um, it's really exciting to me to get to help foster that creativity in our students. Well, another thing that's part of your role, you've mentioned in a previous conversation, is developing digital competence in students. 
Now, can you share an example or two of how you've integrated technology for a product project with pre-service teachers and how it helped build their digital competence? So we're really trying to take a, a scaffolded approach here. So it was, um, we're very lucky. Our Dean is very supportive of the work we do. And so one of my roles here at the center is I actually serve as the chair of the technology committee for the college. And one of our original projects that we did was we actually wrote strategic technology goals for the college. And as part of those goals, we, we are fostering this idea of digital competence. And digital competence is made up of digital fluency, digital literacy, and digital citizenship. And so it's really my job to help students and faculty develop all through three pieces of that to come together for digital competence. So one of the things that I do to help students develop digital competence is I work very closely with the professor that teaches what we call EL 300. It is the, um, the official name is Instructional and Assistive Technology in Universally Designed Learning Environments, which is a really long name. <laughs> so basically it's their teaching and technology course. And so I work very closely with that professor and in that course, we're really trying to build those digital fluency skills that they can then take into other courses. This is a very early course they take. And so as they go on into their ed prep journey, they can build on those digital fluency skills to build more digital literacy skills. The other thing that I really work on across the college is the digital citizenship skills. So I actually push into classes and I talk to students about digital citizenship. What is that? What does that mean? And talk to them about how that affects them in their context. So I talk to our pre-service educators about what does that mean for you? How can that affect your ability to be employed? You know, think about what you're posting on social media. Um, and But then I also go and I talk to say our nursing students and we talk about, again, let's think about what is digital citizenship, think about your social media, but for them, we also talk about things like, what does that mean for using technology with and around patients? You know, what is the appropriateness of answering phone calls? You know, even if it's your, your like if you're a charge nurse on a floor, but if you've got a phone and you can't stand in front of a patient and have a conversation about another patient on that phone, you know, so we, we it's very contextual. And so I've learned a lot of how that works outside of education. So it's been a, a learning journey for me as well. I think it's really nice to have you to tie all those pieces together for your, your students and your faculty and help support them throughout their, their university journey. So I, I feel very privileged to be able to have the, those conversations and that the faculty allow me to push into their classes and work with their students. Um, and I do think it's nice that we've kind of created the scaffold of, you know, we start with the digital fluency and the digital citizenship and then build those digital literacy, literacy skills on top of those fluency skills. So I, I think that is something um, that is really resonating with both faculty and staff that we're doing that scaffolded process. And is your ultimate goal with your pre-service teachers to make them proficient integrators of technology in their future classroom practices? Is that kind of like what you're building towards? Yes, the idea, you know, one of the mission statements here at our university is that we want students to be career ready day one. And for our pre-service educators specifically, that means 
being prepared to integrate technology effectively and appropriately the first day they walk into their classroom. And so um, we want them to be able to do it in their clinical experiences. And then we want them to be prepared to do that when they get their own classroom. So um, that is exactly what we're working towards is by building the, the fluency and the digital citizenship, then adding in that digital literacy. And we talk about wanting our students to be able to be tech leaders when they go into their own classroom. And by tech leader, we don't mean, you know, someone who's going to stand up and do professional development. What we mean is being that good role model for both their students um, for families and for their peers, so that they're, you know, ready and willing to use that technology effectively and appropriately and safely, ethically, all those things from day one. Well, and we know that, you know, educators bring different beliefs about the value and role of technology to classrooms, but if they are digitally competent and feel confident in their ability to integrate technology, then it's probably more likely they're going to integrate it effectively. So I think what you're doing is really exciting. There is actually research that shows connection between how comfortable students are with technology and their willingness to use it in teaching and learning. And so that that's exactly, we're just trying to build. And I will say, you know, um, a lot of times when students come to me um, in what we call ED280, which is our intro to teaching as a profession class, is the first class they take that's really a, a teaching class. And sometimes they come to me at EL 300 and they'll say to me, well, I'm just not a techie. And the conversation I have with them is, you know what, you're not allowed to say that because being a techie in this day and age is not about understanding computer science or understanding how computers work. It's being willing to click on things and to try new things. And so for us, when we say, oh, well, I'm a techie, it's really about being willing to try and having that growth mindset about technology. So that is actually a conversation I have with students a lot about, no, no, you don't get to say I'm not a techie, because when you're saying I'm not a techie, you're saying I don't have a growth mindset, and we have to get away from that. So really, if there's nothing else um, that students learn from the center, or from me, or from my staff, is I want them to have that growth mindset about technology. I'm going to start using that line on the pre-service teachers I work with. Oh no, you're not allowed to say that. I can't wait to say that. <laughs> That's great advice. Thanks, Jenna. So Jenna, we know that one of the specific things that you uh, work on, one of the projects is promoting coding in your coding lab. So tell us about how you promote coding in education and why you think that's important. So, Again, it's it's kind of all about how we frame it. As we know in education, as educators, it's you know very much how we frame it. And so from the very start, when I'm giving people tours of the Evolution Center, because that's something they do at ED280, um, I take them to the coding lab and we have a conversation about what is coding. And so, you know, I say, I say, tell me the first thing that comes to mind. And I get a lot of math, I get a lot of zeros and ones. And then I say, okay, how does that make you feel? And I get bored, fear, loathing, you know, I get all of that. And I say, okay, I want you to take all of that and throw it out the window. Because in this context, that is not what coding is. Coding at its core is logic. It is if then thinking. So every coding tool in our coding lab is based in this if then thinking. If I do this, 
then this will happen. And so that is the context that I introduce coding in. And I tell them, look, I know zero computer languages, none. Yet I can code with every tool here in this coding lab, because again, it's about logic. And then, you know, once I've introduced them to that kind of get rid of the preconceived notions about coding and let's talk about what coding really is, then we can really dive into how can this be integrated with content and why should it be integrated with content? And we talk about how important it is for students to understand logic, but then, then also how students really need to understand the building blocks of coding because of the digital age we live in and how important it is for them to be comfortable, at least with the building blocks of coding. And we talk about how you, you know, if it's something you're comfortable with, you can then scaffold. Because a lot of our tools start with the basic if then thinking. We have something called Ozobots, where you literally draw with markers to code the robot. We have something called an Indie, where you usually literally use color tiles to tell the robot what to do. So, you know, you start there, but then you can go to the block coding. Some tools have block coding of their own, or you can go to scratch. And then if students are interested, you can encourage them to learn like Python, Java, you know, learn those computer languages. But if nothing else, they're at least going to understand those building blocks of coding, which is so critical in today's society. It sounds like you have so many amazing tools at your disposal in your lab. I haven't even heard of some of those. And I do think that's such a great starting point for students. Like um, whenever, like I used to be a kindergarten teacher and we always like to start at the very most basic level. And for us, that was often unplugged coding where we were just like moving our bodies, using arrows, mm -hmm. um, guiding like a little, you know, manipulative through a hundred charts. So I, I think we need to remember that as adults, we need to start at that very basic level too. Cause I think lots of people kind of have either negative experiences attached to computer programming or just think or have like a, a limiting belief that they're not capable of doing it. So I think that's really exciting that that's where you start with your pre-service teachers. Okay, so kind of a segue from that topic. Um, do you have any tips for educators um, when they're thinking about technology integration in their classrooms? How might you help or support a reluctant educator or someone who felt a little bit uncertain? I say, start with your backward design. It's always about where do we want to be at the end? You know, what is our learning standard, our learning objective? What, you know, what is it we want our students to know? So we start there and just like you do backwards planning for in terms of what resources am I going to use? What strategies am I going to use? You know, all of the other things, do that with your technology as well. It's one of the things I really encourage students to do is build what I call their digital toolbox. So you have a lot of tools, a lot of different digital platforms that you are at least somewhat comfortable with because not every tool is correct for the same job. And so think of it like a physical toolbox. You know, when you're at home and you need to hang a picture, you're not gonna pull, generally you're not gonna pull out a saw. You know, if you're trying to um, screw something together, you're not going to pull out a hammer. So, you know, you have to have the right tool for the right job. And it's the same with technologies, the same with our digital tools. So by having that digital toolbox, as you're doing your backwards planning, you can say, oh, well, for what we're doing here, Flipgrid would be a good tool or Wakelet would be a good tool. 
or Google Docs would be a good tool or Google Sites or whatever it is that you want to use, but it's deliberately planned into your lesson, your objective, whatever. And so, you know, I talk about that all the time. Um, this is something I, when I was working with my colleagues, they would go to like PD or somewhere and they'd learn about a tool and it had lots of cool bells and whistles. And so they'd be like, I want to use this. And my question was always, why? Why do you want to use this? So just like anything else we do in education, technology has to be planned with intention and purpose. So it was never a no, you can't use it, but let's think about why you want to use it. Is it just because it's cool? Mm, let's think about that. And occasionally, we'll, especially if we're trying to introduce some uh, students to something new, maybe you know a new tool or something, maybe we are using it because it's cool and has bells and whistles and it's going to help engagement. But that still needs to be done with a purpose. So that's that's my big thing is always think about the why. And as much as I love technology, sometimes there isn't a place for technology and things. So maybe the it's better to use paper and pencil or whatever. So just intention and purpose, looking at the why of what we're doing. I love how your focus is so firmly on the learning. And that's really where it needs to be. So um, this is absolutely a paraphrase, <laughs> but there's a great quote, quote by George Coros, who wrote Innovator's Mindset. And um, I love, I, again, I'm very much paraphrasing, but basically he said that um, good teachers and great teachers use technology to transform learning. And so, and you know, they, they turn learning into something transformational with technology, but even then the focus is about the learning. And I tell our pre-service educators all the time, bad teaching is bad teaching. Using technology to try to make bad teaching good teaching is like putting lipstick on a pig. It still stinks. So technology does not fix bad teaching, but technology can enhance good teaching. And that's the way to look at it in my mind. You can tell that we are um, kindred spirits because that quote is <laughs> part of many of our presentations. <laughs> we have that slide um, in many of our tech, uh, tech focused presentations. So. But lipstick on a pig is going to be our new favorite quote. I think that's <laughs> definitely the one we're pulling out of this podcast. <laughs> so I think that's excellent advice for all educators, but you have lots of experience and opportunity working with pre-service teachers. And that's something that Devin and I also do. So do you have any advice to offer our pre-service teacher listeners and those brand new teachers heading out into their first teaching roles? Do you have some specific advice for those. So um, I actually, you know, because I'm not in an evaluative role with students. So students sometimes will just come and sit in my office and chat because they know their conversations with me have zero impact on, you know, I don't grade their dispositions. I don't give them grades in classes. So sometimes they're a little more open. It, they feel a little more comfortable being open with me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very frank with them. I, you know, I tell them, here's what I've learned from my experiences. And so one of the first things I tell them is you need to set boundaries for yourself. Um, make decisions for yourself about how late am I going to stay at school? How often am I going to check emails? You know, you have to take care of yourself if you're going to take care of anyone else. That's a lesson I learned the hard way of, as being a mom, as being a teacher, was I can't help anyone if I'm not taken care of. And so, you know, set those boundaries. 
I, I got to the point where I would tell my students, I taught middle school and I tell them, guys, I'm not going to answer emails after 8 p.m. I'm just not. And if I had something going on with my, I have four daughters and if I, they're grown now, but you know, they were at home when I was teaching. And if I had something going on with my family, I would tell them, and say, look guys, I've got, you know, whatever it is. And so I'm not going to be answering emails tonight because I want to focus on my family. And so, you know, just setting those boundaries for yourself. And then I, mean, I, it may be a little different in Canada, but I always say, um, and people think I'm joking when I say this, but I always say, don't eat in the teacher lunchroom. Just don't. Because um, in my experience, and it's funny, I talk to a lot of people about this, that is where some of the teachers that tend to be a little more negative gather. <laughs> and so find that person who is your kindred spirit, find your tribe, find, you know, it could be a mentor teacher, it could be the teacher who teaches across the hall from you, whoever that person is, eat with that person. So you guys can be positive together and you're not surrounded by negativity. And then honestly, as a practical tip, I tell them, make sure you take care of your custodian, <laughs> the school secretary, and the person who cleans your classroom <laughs> because, and I mean, the person who uh, helps you with your IT stuff, because those are three people who are going to take care of you if you take care of them. <laughs> so that's a very practical suggestion. Yeah. And if the se school secretary doesn't like you, you're never getting the good post-it notes or the good whiteboard markers. Exactly. <laughs> and you're also going to get the call every time they need someone to cover someone else's class. So yeah. So those no. are just practical, but you know, I, it, I think really, um, the, the mess at the end of the day, I tell them, be kind to yourself. You know, teaching is both an art and a science and it takes practice. And, you know, if you talk to someone who's been teaching 30 years, they'll tell you that they are still learning every day about because students change, you know, and times change. And so just be kind to yourself at the end of the day. I think that's the biggest thing. And set boundaries. That's such good advice. And I think every teacher who's been teaching for a number of years and is still here and thriving to some degree has really had to learn that lesson often the hard way about setting boundaries. And I think everyone's a work in progress with that. But it's, I really wish someone had told me that when I was 22 and graduating from education. Well, it was interesting. I was actually reading an article this morning from the Chronicle of Higher Ed, and they're talking about how it's it's become a national phenomenon that professors are really talking about how students are disengaged. And um, it's really, uh, I think, a lot to do with COVID and the isolation. And, but, um, you know, just talking about um, self-care has become so critically important, but I will say I, I learn, I still learn every day. Um, there's a really great professor her, here. Her name is Dr. Brooke Clubs. She's amazing. I want to be her when I grow up. And, um, I, I actually added something to my email. I stole it, totally stole it from her emails. Um, at the bottom, right above my signature line, it says, um, if you receive this email outside of work, your working hours, it's because that's when I was able to send it, not because I expect a reply. And that's setting boundaries for myself and for other people to let them know, you know, this was when I was able to work on this, but that doesn't mean I expect you to drop what you're doing and deal with it. And I thought that was such a great 
expectation, you know, to say, I understand that you may be, you know, if you got this at nine o'clock at night, that doesn't mean I expect you to get on your email and reply to me. And so I, I'm really, I, I'm, I learn all the time too about, you know, setting boundaries for myself and other people. I have a, a similar email signature too, that states my boundaries about when people can expect to hear back from me. And I think it's just so nice to be clear about those things. Okay, you mentioned self-care. That's something that Leah and I are really passionate about at KG Education. Teacher wellness is really important to us. And we know like education is extremely rewarding, but it's also so demanding and draining sometimes too. And can you tell us what you like to do to take care of yourself physically and mentally? So again, I'm a reader. So that is my happy place. So I make sure I read every day, read for pleasure every day. That's, that's just, but that helps me. Um, physically, I'm really trying to walk more. Uh, we have two dogs. And um, so I grab Boomer. He's one of our dogs and I, I like to take him out. I'm really working on that, um, trying to get out more. And then I would say the other thing I do mentally is um, I, you know, I'm an extrovert. I love people, but occasionally I need to take a break and I can feel myself when I start feeling like, don't talk to me. I'm like, okay, that, that I need to, if I'm at work, I can come in, I can shut my door and I just tell my staff, Hey guys, I'm going to take 20 minutes you know, and just, I need to work on myself for 20 minutes and just take, but I've learned the hard way um, that I need to take those little, even if it's just a short little break, when I feel myself starting to get super stressed, I'm not going to be of use to myself or anyone else if I don't take a little, a moment to reset. So those that's, and I, it, again, I'm a work in progress. I'm not perfect, <laughs> but those are the things I'm trying to do. I think those are great. And thank you for being open to sharing about that too. I think it's an important part of the conversation in education uh, for sure. And something else that's really important to us as educators is connection and community. We know that relationships are the foundation of education in so many ways. And I think that's another one of your strengths. So I know you're well connected with the community beyond your campus. You have connections with other tech coaches, teachers, other organizations. So can you tell us about some of the ways that you're staying connected with other educators? So I'm very lucky. Um, Missouri does something called Regional Professional Development Centers. And we're very lucky here that the Southeast Regional Professional Development Center happens to also be on our campus. And um, they very graciously invited me into what they call their EdTech Consortium. So we meet twice a year, once a semester, and it's uh, from the 55 school districts in our region. They, there's ed tech coaches, tech directors, teachers who are into technology, you know, pretty much anyone who wants to come to these meetings to talk about tech can. And so I'm, I'm very lucky to be part of that because it really, um, you know, gives me that place at the table where I can really get in depth with what's happening in classrooms and you know, sometimes it's nice for ed tech people to be able to get together and just have those conversations. So that's one way I'm plugged into the community. Um, another way is that I, again, we serve as kind of that regional hub for technology. And so, you know, we invite those educators to come here and 
you know, use our resources, but we also invite schools to, to bring their students here. So now that the pandemic is over, we've started having field trips again. And so that's really great that, you know, we have um, P12 students coming into our space and um, that that's another way I get to stay connected. And then um, we just really um, like, we have something in town called Discovery Playhouse which is like a children's museum. It's a place where they can go and um, interact and discover. And, and um, I, I'm plugged into there now. And so just finding those opportunities to reach out to the community. Um, I also uh, will do uh, professional development for some of the smaller schools that don't really have the staff to do technology professional development. And I try to present at local conferences. So um, there's one that's going to be here on campus next month. It's called EdTech Academy. It is hosted by the Regional Professional Development Center. So I'm going to be presenting there. Um, there's another one called the South Central Learning Summit, which is actually um, the Regional Professional Development uh, Center at the next to us in the state. It's not ours, but it's the one right, right very close to us. And then I'm uh, there's a local school district that presents something called Ignited in July, and I'm going to be going and presenting there. So just trying to find those opportunities to have FaceTime with local educators and give them and open those conversations and kind of spread the message about how the center can support those community educators. Well, the teachers in your area are really lucky to have a resource like you. And I know that once our listeners listen to this podcast, they're going to want to connect with you as well. And can you tell us um, how can teachers connect with you online? What are the, where are the spaces that they can find you? So um, I am on Twitter. That's kind of my main social media. I will just a tiny caveat. I don't Facebook. Um, I have a real problem with Facebook's privacy policies. And so this was one of those I had to draw, draw my line in the sand somewhere. And that's where I drew my line. <laughs> so I'm not on Facebook. So please don't look for me there. Um, my Twitter handle is at Jana Gerard. Very straightforward. Um, they are welcome to connect with us through our website, which is semo.edu slash TEC, which stands for the Evolution Center. But they can find us there and they're welcome to email me at jgerard, J-G-E-R-A-R-D at cmo.edu. Thank you, Jana. We really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us and with our listeners. We know that everyone's going to learn a lot from uh, hearing your ideas. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me on today. If you're interested in technology integration, you'll want to get your hands on our free podcasting guide. Whether you're creating a podcast with your students or hosting your own show as an educator, we're here to help. We put together a short three-page guide that includes the parts of a podcast breakdown, a podcast production checklist, and the tech tools we'd recommend for your project. We've had so much fun hosting this show and also working with our students to record episodes, and we think that you'll enjoy it too. Get the guide at kgeducation.ca slash podcast guide. Thank you so much for tuning in today. You can find more information about today's topic in the show notes. If you know another educator who'd enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. And give us some feedback too. We'd appreciate your rating and review in the app you're using to listen to this. Keep growing, learning, and taking care of yourself. The world needs educators like you.